Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, one by one. There will be no spoilers for future episodes, but we will be discussing (laughs) details for past episodes. (laughs) Jason's imitating me, and it's unnerving. Um, uh, Unfairly being blamed for the breakup of the Beatles, I'm Harrison. And I'm Jason, a.k.a. Mr. Long Black Coat Badass. Mm-hmm. You do have a, a long black uh, angel coat. Well, I mean, I've I've posted pictures on my Facebook of, um, and I think I shared them with the page. I think you did. Of, uh, of 2009? 2008 or 2009 when I dressed up as Angel. I, I look pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, what episode are we watching this week? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, we are watching Buffy Season 4, Episode 20, The Yoko Factor. This is the one where Spike does some pretty fucking brilliant manipulation of the Scoobies. And, um, and to quote him, it really wasn't that hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll discuss the ease with which uh, Spike was able to tear this group apart. Because, as, as he tells Adam... Uh, Yoko didn't break up the Beatles. She was just there. Uh, also, meanwhile, Angel shows up to apologize uh, to Buffy. An unnecessary apology uh, should be coming the other direction. But anyway, uh, and he and uh, he, he ends and up Riley... apologizing to Riley's face with his <laughs> fist. Yes, he and Riley. <laughs> Uh, just get into the biggest fucking dick measuring contest. (laughs) Goddamn men. All right. Uh, The Yoko Factor was written by Doug Petrie and directed by Dave Grossman, two returning favorites, Mm -hmm. and originally aired on May 9th, 2000. It did indeed. I wish we had a Yoko Ono-themed version of our our intro music. We could do like a fringe situation with our intro music (laughs) and theme it. Well, we we don't. So here's our regular intro music. All right, Jason, tell me what you're drinking. Uh, well, audience, uh, Harrison was nice enough to pour me a glass of bourbon on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe you are drinking a bourbon ginger using mm-hmm. that same bourbon. Yes. I am um, not partaking of the bourbon ginger because, one, I've never had it. But also, I actually can't drink uh, carbonated soft drinks. Um, I don't know, like, how carbonated ginger ale is uh, compared to other soft drinks. I can drink beer. Beer is, like, lightly carbonated enough that I can drink it. Yeah. But uh, anything like Coke, Pepsi, Mountain Dew gives me the rumblies in my tumbly. Yeah. And uh, we didn't want to like test out a bourbon yeah, ginger. Yeah, <laughs> Even though um, liquor does tend to flatten sodas, we're like, you know what? Let's save this for another day. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I've been there when you've accidentally drank like a soda and it was kind of scary. Um... <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> that was actually really funny um, when I think about it. So there. We were at IHOP, right? No. Um... <laughs> we were on stage. For Frankenstein. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a moment when we all had to toast to the house of Frankenstein, and um, 
the stage manager had poured a, um, I don't know, like ginger, maybe it was ginger well, ale then. Um, I mean, it, it, it was probably like, would have been ginger ale or like sparkling, like sparkling cider. Yeah, yeah. It was like not exactly champagne, but it was meant to look like champagne. And um, I mean, I, I was doing the part. So I like took that drink and then just started choking on stage and everybody's like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Henry does not die here. Because yeah. um, that was what, that was like our first like full like tech, right? Because we wouldn't have been using yeah, like so. liquid. No, this did point. not happen on a show no. night. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, that show, we nearly killed a bunch of us. Um, I, I nearly died a couple times. Yeah, that's, um, that's also the show where uh, we learned our friend Paul, who played the creature... I designed this really, really incredible creature makeup, and we he was were using <laughs> yeah, we were using liquid latex to apply, and it looked amazing. And that's when we learned that he had. That's when he learned that he had a latex allergy, because we had done it once before. We did like a, a test at my house, and it looked good, no ill effects. And then when we did it like in the studio, was, he was like. We put it on, and he was like, like, at 10 minutes, he was like, I feel weird. And I was like, you're fine. Um, <laughs> Famous last words. Yeah, you're fine. Just go on stage. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a dangerous show. And uh, um, didn't you get, like, slammed into a wall by Paul? Yeah, we had a... So I was playing Victor, and, yeah, there was... Um, there was this, you know, fight choreography, and there was this stunt we had to do where he would, like, lift me up by the neck. Um, and how we did that was, For like... those of you who don't know the story of Frankenstein, the creature's not a fan of Victor. No, they don't get along. <laughs> uh, talk about daddy issues. Um, <laughs> no, um, so he was... The, the way we did the stunt was, like, I would run towards him to, like, attack, and I would, like, jump, and... He, um, I would, like, lock my knees kind of on his hips um, and my hands, like, on his shoulders, and he would, like, grab me by the neck. So mm-hmm. I was actually supporting all of my own weight on him, but it looked like he was holding me up by the neck. It looked so cool. Um, and then he, like, would, like, push me up against the wall. And one night, we did it weird. Our timing got off somehow, and I, like, I, I... I like hit my head really hard against the wall. Usually I would take like the full brunt of it on my back. Um, but I like hit my head and I had like, I blacked out for like two seconds. <laughs> like for real. Like I had a moment where I was like, I don't know where I am right now. What the fuck's going on? And then I was like, I'm, I'm in the show. Okay. Everything's fine. We're good. But I'm, I'm sure my acting in that moment looked amazing. Like, <laughs> that, wow, he really looks th- dazed. Th- that's what happens when you talk with us actors. We're like, we're all about like, but how did the show look? Right. <laughs> how did it look on stage? How did it play? Uh, but, uh, and they're like, know, no, we need to take you to the hospital. But did it look good? Theater anecdotes aside. It was <laughs> yeah. very black swan of you, by the way. Like, I'm right. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you got a piece of glass in your sternum. <laughs> yeah. All right. Spoilers for Black Swan. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. A toast. Um, oh, yeah. A toast. A toast. A toast. A toast. A toast. A toast to friendship. Hmm. Uh, um, may, may your friendships be deep and strong. And when platinum blonde vampires come along to try and tear them down, you say no. You say no, vampire. And your friendship is strong. I don't. 
I don't know how I've gotten into this voice, and I'm stuck in it now, so cheers. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Honestly, it sounds like you're trying to do a really bad Emma Thompson. Ugh. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't trying to, but yes, I, I think you were right, and I've escaped now. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, I don't know if this is the coaster that I normally use, but I just read it, it and <laughs> it's this picture of Jesus and all these people, like, um, you know, worshipping at him, and it says, Jesus loves you on the top of the coaster, and on the bottom it says, everyone else thinks you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I think that's actually the one I usually have. Okay. The one I have is a, a sexy space lady. It's a woman with a... She's got like a space gun and she's in like a, a bikini sort of situation. Ah, with a, a little space Barbarella. Yeah, kind of Barbarella. Here. And it says, science fact, the center of the universe isn't you. Um, my aunt uh, gave me these and there's two more in our living room. Um, it's like a set of like sarcastic uh <laughs> coasters and i they're they're very fun um so yes let's uh we you know we start our episode with adam and actually we start our episode with the uh colonel oh that's the, right I, this <laughs> this thing that like really just is setting the stage yeah it's like hey here's what's happening with the initiative bt dubs um yes colonel Colonel, what's his fuck? It, McNamara. I know. I can see it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not dignifying it. Um, this is not a character. This is a prop. Uh, Colonel, what's his fuck? Um, he's on like a video conference with uh, his superior, I guess. And uh, looks like he, a Secretary of Defense sort of guy. Yeah, something like that. Uh, who we're gonna call not Steve Martin. Uh, there was so we're calling him that because there was like a certain angle that was far enough away from the TV that um, Mr. Ward, I think his name is, mm-hmm. um, looks like Steve Martin, at least yep. to me. Yep. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. But... The white, you have the white hair. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, the way Steve Martin parts his hair, right? yeah. it's very specific, mm-hmm. uh, at least Steve Martin. Uh, yeah, but Colonel, Colonel What's-His-Fuck is like, uh, everything's going great, sir. I'm Trevor Lockley. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Can you imagine Trevor Lockley in the initiative? Oh, fuck. No. <laughs> I mean, yes. I think he fit right the that's fuck like in a with to- these people. That's like a maelstrom of toxic masculinity. Oh, so bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's like, uh, we're catching demons left, right, and center. Everything's going great. There's a bit of a morale problem, uh, cause you know, or Maggie Watts died and Riley committed treason, and but I don't really think Riley was got great anyway. Uh, here, 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 here. Um, like that's an actual quote. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so yeah, that's our check in with the initiative. They're still busy catching demons. Uh, and they and they're like Buffy is like. Public enemy number one. It really is kind of crazy just how much, how less important the initiative seems. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, as soon as Adam becomes, like, the main antagonist. Yeah. Yeah. The the initiative has become a bit of a nuisance. Yeah. Like, more than an actual uh, force to be dealing with. Um, Although, I guess it is good that they're, like, up to their up to their ear holes and demons that's preventing them from coming after Buffy and friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's nice. Um, So yeah, so then we get to Adam and Spike. And I want to preface this discussion because I feel like uh, we're going to be a little more positive about Adam 
in this discussion than we have <laughs> don't been. Ta- but don't <laughs> take that as we like Adam. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is very, like, some of the stuff that's going on here with Adam is good stuff, but it's very, very much, uh, as I said to Jason while we were watching, too little, too late. This is where we should have been starting with Adam and building from. And this you know, feels like feel a that, hasty, like, oh, God. You know, I kind of feel that way about a lot of the things that happen in this episode. Yes. I get that there have been, like, some seeds planted for um, breaking up the group, mm-hmm. breaking up the Scoobies, but I don't feel like it's been super obvious in the... Or su- maybe not super obvious, but... Uh, in line with what they're trying to make it look like now, especially yeah. with Giles. But, you know, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so they, um, Spike is explaining to Adam that, like, Buffy's not, Buffy's no pushover. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's like, you know, she has a nasty habit of kicking every would-be big bad's ass. Oh my god. What the fuck is going on out there? Anyway. Um, and I like how he, like, it's not explicit, but he definitely seems to be, like, partially referring to himself. Yeah. Like... <laughs> so sick and tired getting beat up by her. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, Spike has explained to Adam that he has, uh, killed two slayers. Um, but Buffy's different. Um, and, um, the, uh, and that's... You gotta be kidding me. Oh my god. Okay, so listeners, this might just be a thing. Or you're maybe going, what the fuck are they talking about? I don't know if you can hear it, but there's a lot of loud engines going by outside. Anyway, oh my gosh. Um, so, you know, the difference with Buffy is, of course, her friends. Mm -hmm. Um, as we've talked about countless times. And of course, that becomes a little bit of foreshadowing for what Buffy says at the end of the episode. Yes. Um, so Spike, uh, is going to help Adam separate Buffy from her friends, uh, and the, the exchange, in exchange, he's going to get the chip out of his head. Um, anything else in that scene that... No, I just, I really do like the, um, when, uh, Spike says, you have no idea how it feels with this chip in my head, and then Adam has this, like monologue that's kind of awesome yeah and i'm like you know it seems like this is the it does have the aesthetic of what he like the way that he says it is very similar to some of the things that adam has said before Mm -hmm. but the things that adam has said before has never hit the way that this did it always felt like weird vague like proselytizing Mm -hmm. this felt specific Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I finally felt like he was actually talking about something and not just talking. Mm -hmm. Um, he was, before he was talking, but not communicating. (laughs) Oh boy. Drink. (laughs) Um, yeah. And it just helps that Spike is a really engaging character and James Forrester's... Spike can do a scene with anyone. Yeah. Even Adam. Even Adam. And, like, I'm just imagining if they had paired Adam and Spike up much earlier in the season, um, like, pretty much immediately after... um, He got the chip in his head. uh, Yeah, after his... Or after Adam's introduction, yeah. And, one, Spike could have 
taken a more active role in the back half of the season because most of his role or most of his appearances and episodes have just been like show up for a scene Make say something shitty series. yeah <laughs> um and you know he's been a consistent presence but not necessarily he hasn't had up until now hasn't had a huge role in things so i you know it just feel it it's fr- it's almost frustrating to be talking about this because it's just i'm i'm just I'm going through, it's like, oh, they could have done this, and this would have worked, and this would have been better. And it's like, it's almost a fruitless discussion, because they didn't. And, yeah. like, we're, this is what we have. Could have, should have, would have. Yeah, this is Moving what on. we have. <laughs> so, we go to Buffy's dorm. Uh, Buffy has arrived back from L.A., and... Uh, she's a, she's noticeably sad that uh, Will is not there. Yeah, because, I like that touch. Yeah, she, like, yeah, she, she basically just looks at Willow's empty bed. And she's like, God, I really could have used my Willow. Mm-hmm. And d- can't we all? Yeah. Because maybe if Willow had been there and they could have talked, maybe Willow would have been like, hey, Buffy, um, sounds like you were a bit of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, we'll get to that. Because we actually had to pause the episode so I could rant. I was so angry. Um, but uh, yeah. then um, what? Now we have uh, Riley. Riley and Xander. Yeah. Uh, Xander is... Um, they're, they're doing, Xander's doing Riley's laundry. Um, and... In the meantime, gives him some of his own clothes to, uh, to wear whilst he's, like, getting his civvies washed. And Riley implies that these clothes are meant for a clown. And quite frankly, y'all, have you seen the way that Xander dresses? Dresses like... I mean, he has, he has a sweatshirt. Later on in the episode, for the back half of the episode, I just don't know what it is. It's like a weird purple bullseye. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> like he bought it at an off-brand Target. Yeah. And it's definitely like, this scene is very much like, I was, I was like, Sander, those clothes fucking suck. What's wrong with you? And then when Riley says the same thing, I was like, Riley, he is doing you a favor? Uh, you say thank you? And I was just like, God damn it, we're stuck in this scene with these Two fucking douchebags. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, um, Riley's basically asking if Buffy's come back, and uh, and Xander says he thinks that she's still in L.A. So everybody knows that she went to L.A. and uh, and Riley and Xander find something to uh, bond over. They both don't like Angel, despite Riley having never met Angel. Um, <sighs> but it is also revealed that. Even though Buffy said that she was going to tell Riley everything about Angel, she left out a key detail, which unfortunately he had to hear from Xander, mm-hmm. which is that the reason that Angel lost his soul was because he had that moment of true happiness, which happened because that was when Buffy lost her virginity. Yep. Uh, which leads to, of course, a key misunderstanding later. Yes. And I, you know, normally I'd I'd come down hard on Xander. You know, I love to come down hard on Xander. I I don't know I don't know why I say that because I I feel like I'm actually the one of the two of us who's usually more defending of Xander, yeah. even when I'm coming down hard on him. But I have to say, life lesson, friends, listeners, if you tell your boyfriend you're telling him everything, but then you leave out certain details. Tell your friends who actually know everything, hey, I left out this key detail. So that when the boyfriend later is like, yeah, Buffy told me everything. They're like, oh, she told you about the sex thing? And he's like, no, she did not. 
And um, uh, not say you know I'll tell you, hashtag not Sanders' fault this time. Yeah, and <laughs> I, you know, it, it feels honestly I feel kind of bad saying this, but well, I would normally say that Buffy can tell Riley what she wants to tell him. Mm-hmm. That does seem like a pretty big part, and the attitude that Buffy had about telling Riley about Angel is made me think that she wanted to be 100% honest. Mm-hmm. And again, this is a key detail. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And honestly, if she had also mentioned that Angel was her first, and it, that's what ended up turning him evil, maybe Riley would understand a bit of the baggage yes. that Buffy carries around about Angel. Exactly, yeah. It's not that... Yeah, yeah. it's not that it's any of Riley's business about the with the sex thing... But the sex thing, like it's a, um, but yes, it does carry a lot of baggage and nuance. Um, and you're right. If if you're telling someone, you are telling them everything. You should tell them everything. And if she needs to leave, if she wanted to leave out certain parts, in my opinion, you should just be honest. Hey, I'm telling you the stuff I'm comfortable telling you, and there's stuff I'm keeping to myself. And if. Then, if Riley's got a problem with it, then it's fucking Riley's problem. Yes. Um, because she has created a boundary um, that he's not respecting. But that's not what's happened here. Buffy has told told him she was going to be completely honest and then was not. Um, and that, and ladies it, and gentlemen, that is not a great way to build trust in a relationship. Yeah, and then, of course, later in the episode, she said, have I ever given you any reason to not trust me? And she gives Riley a lot of crap for um, overreacting about this. And indeed, he does overreact. But at the same time, he wouldn't have overreacted if she'd been a little more upfront. I think, or, he, I think he would have. Well, yeah, but, that's true. Because he's a typical man. Yeah, I think he would have overreacted. But we'd be, we'd be having a very different discussion about his overreaction. But yeah, but unfortunately, Xander is the one who has to spill the beans. And honestly... Given what Xander says at the end of this episode, if Xander is more in the know than you are, that just feels bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. My gay agenda. Early on this Miss week. Miss Kitty Fantastico? No, not yet. We haven't gotten to Miss Kitty Fantastico yet. We've got Giles singing Freebird. Oh, yes. Acoustic guitar. I... Literally, I've watched this show so many times. Like it is of all the television shows, I probably like. I've seen it a lot. Um, I probably do like a rewatch once a year. Um, I knew it was happening. I like you know, and this is would really you, funny. I <laughs> would you like to describe like what happened in the room? So um. I can't remember. I feel like you were about to say something. I was. You were I was. about to bring up just like a, um, maybe even a non-related fact, because sometimes we do talk during these episodes yeah. when we watch them. But uh, like you cut to, you hear Giles, <laughs> you hear Giles playing Freebird while singing it, and Harrison burped out of excitement. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like a cute little one. Like, um, <laughs> it, I literally was like, oh. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't even remember what it was I was gonna say because it like... I think I might have actually been in the middle of saying something because I think I was about to ask you something and then I just decided to stay quiet for the rest of the scene because I was like, Harrison wants... Harrison definitely wants to hear Giles play and sing. Maybe, but I, I also feel like the burp was partially precipitated by me about to say something either way and switching gears real fast either way but... it, was, it was hilarious <laughs> and kind of adorable <laughs> oh thank you so yeah uh my gay agenda is giles hotly singing Freebird with his acoustic guitar i wish i wish just like with his beyond beyond behind blue eyes cover that there was like an actual full studio version mm-hmm. of this and i mean the whole goddamn what like nine minutes However long the the fuck the real song is, might even be longer than that. Freebird's a bit of a listen. If I leave here tomorrow, will you still remember me? Oh no, you got it right. Nine minutes, seven seconds. Nice. Way to go! Wow. I was, I'm impressed. I was really just kind of spitballing. I knew it was like long, so like like around that, but it wasn't. All right, all right. I'm impressed. I'm glad you got the uh, the answer that where you did because I was out of lyrics that I knew. <laughs> oh no! Like I mean, if I'm like looking up a song, like obviously I gotta go to Spoofy. <laughs> um. So yeah, he's hotly singing. Uh, it's great. And then and then just a hilarious moment when he looks up and Spike is just standing there watching. And he has him. a very feminine. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He like shrieks. Um, but, uh, Giles tells him that he, um, uh, he thought, he, he heard about, like, files and stuff in the initiative while he was down there that he might be able to get for them for a fee. Um, and, um, you know, uh, Giles is like, yeah, okay, fine, like, name your price, whatever. And Spike's like, no, I'm not, you know, dealing with you. I want to hear this. I want to get this deal from from Buffy. And um, he, Giles kind of was like, no, like, you can deal with me. And Spike's like, no, like, I'm dealing with Buffy. She doesn't, like, you're not her watcher. Um, you don't, she doesn't respect you. Um, and then he does, like, mention how, like, how he sees, how he sees how Buffy treats him yeah and uh and this i feel like maybe it's because giles has been like kind of a background player in almost every episode besides Mm -hmm. a a new man yeah um but yeah like i feel that this is not very well built up to apart from the fact that they just it see it comes across more as like we haven't had anything to do with Giles. Let's use this to our advantage. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't feel organic. Um, the the way that they're trying to make mm-hmm. it come across. I I I agree to a point. I guess I because we have seen they like talked it, about it with like Buffy leaving him out of the loop with like the initiative stuff and with yeah, Riley. Yeah, but at the same so it's definitely time, there, but it's not been consistent. N- no, but yeah, it's like. It feels like, if you look back, you're like, oh, I guess he hasn't been involved that much, but he's literally just been, like, contributing every now and again to, like, mm-hmm. a research session or something like that. I feel like if there had been maybe one or even two scenes where, um, where like, Giles says, like, hey, I can, uh, 
like, here's what I can do to help you. And Buffy's like, no, I think we should do this. Or, no, I don't want you involved in this. Kind of like what she's saying to... To Xander. Uh, to Xander and Willow at the end of this episode. Then I would believe this more. Mm. But it really just kind of feels like, oh, hey, we can't forget about Giles. So, it did seem like at the beginning of this season, mm-hmm. when they were doing the whole, like, drifting apart from college and stuff they were kind of building up to that but there's just been a long stretch of giles is just there yeah and that's not the same as making giles feel left out i i agree but i i kind of have a different read of it okay that um it's less that buffy's um like doing anything I think it's less of a, this is something Buffy's doing to you, and more of a, this is an insecurity that Giles has, and a perception that he has about Buffy's behavior. And I think that's true of everyone. It's not like, you know, they're, you know, Xander has been feeling left out because they've got the college thing going on, but they haven't really been leaving him out. You know, he's, he's been involved in everything. Um... But because he doesn't have this thing that he shares with them anymore, which was high school, that it very much has become Buffy, Willow, and then Xander. Mm -hmm. And so, but that's not anything anyone's done, but these characters are having these insecurities about it. I think that could have been shown more. Okay. You know, I didn't need scenes of Buffy, like, dismissing Giles. (laughs) But maybe maybe a scene of more scenes, or, or not more, but just like more evenly spaced out throughout the season scenes instead of front-loading yeah. them of, yeah, like, why didn't you tell me this? Yeah, like the, um, I, I think like a good example is when they had that party um, and Giles showed up and had like zero people to talk to. Yes. Um, but like I said, all that stuff, which would have been good material for what they're going for in this was all at the front of the season mm-hmm. and it's like that hasn't been hasn't really felt like a thing yes i this part of the season which is like with the arrival of adam you feel like they should be building up to something yes but... yeah it, they definitely front loaded all of those issues at the beginning of the season and then yeah and it's this back the back half of this season has been so strange you know we've had these really strong individual episodes um, but yeah, it's... It's done nothing for the arc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are absolutely correct. Um, and that, like, that really kind of hurts this episode, which is, like, arc storytelling heavy. Yes. But, like, they basically have to build most of the arc right now. Yes. I think it's a strong episode. Like, it's really well written. Um, that fight at the end is spectacularly performed. Um, and, like... But, be- yeah, but because we're pulling from these wounds that haven't been properly developed it doesn't quite it it, it i feel like it works in the moment but not as a whole does that make mm-hmm. sense i get it okay um but now let's talk about my favorite character in the episode <laughs> miss kitty fantastic miss kitty fantastico i mean so first of all this kitten is is like legitimately super cute i'm not everybody's favorite episode of buffy i (laughs) I, i'm not a big cat person i'm very much a dog person but this is a real cute kitten um 
So yeah, Willow and Tara are playing with Miss Kitty Fantastico. They're working on um, Willow's schedule. Yes, for next uh, next season or next semester. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, they're all just TV characters. <laughs> for next semester, I like that detail. You know, we're coming to the end of the semester. Um, it kind of makes me think of in like in um, certain like the second book and the fifth book are real heavy on this of uh, um, Harry Potter of like talking about like what classes we have to take next year um, yeah because like at the end of the second book it's like oh we actually get to pick yeah that's uh, when classes. they get to do their electives and then like um they take the owls at mm-hmm. the end of five and that's when they're like oh now you need to start picking your uh classes that um you know are supposed to contribute to your actual career yeah you're and 15 then, do that yeah, now <laughs> yeah and, and harry's and harry's like but but all i've been doing is fighting Voldemort. <laughs> It's giving me a lot of skills in this one very, very specific area. It very much made me think of um, how, like, right after Forrest Gump graduates from high school and um, that army recruiter is like, oh, hello, son, have you ever given any thought to your future? And he, like, gives him this brochure for the army and Forrest just looks at him and he's like, thought? <laughs> I love that movie. Oh, it's a good one. Uh, we'll have some thoughts about some forest-related things I know, later. right? That, uh, see that? That links. <laughs> it's tied in. Um, so yeah, they're playing with the kitten, helping Willow um, create her schedule. Um, uh, of course, Tara had been talking about getting a cat previously. Um, is it Tara who says we have to give her a real name, or is it Willow? It is Tara who it is says Tara. we have to give her a real name. And Jason and I both were like, uh, she has a real name? It's Miss Kitty Fantastico. And, um... And, uh, and, uh, Willow does, like, at first say that it's, um, like, our cat, but then, uh, she kind of corrects herself yeah. and says, no, it's, it's your cat. And then Tara says, it can be our cat. And then they smile. Yeah. And then Willow continues to play with the pussy. You should feel really bad about what you just said. I don't. <laughs> you know, um, I've had a lot of people telling me to feel bad about what I've said this week, and I don't. <laughs> um, but uh, then, um, I believe Willow brings up housing? Yes. It's either Willow or Tara brings up housing. She Willow is talking about maybe getting like a place off campus, um, and Tara just kind of says that, like, oh, I just kind of assumed you would be... Um, Rooming with Buffy Buffy and Willow. You know, maybe this right here is kind of the issue we're having. Because Willow says, oh, we haven't really talked about it. We haven't really talked about much. And that is kind of the big crux of all the issues between all the characters as they're not communicating. Spring Awakening. And and that is, you know, it's, that's... um, it's it's difficult to show characters not communicating. <laughs> what we're seeing is an absence of something. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's they they've done the right thing with not showing us like them communicating. What we've what we've lost is scenes of the characters Realizing. noticing this. Yeah. yeah, except for all in this episode. Yeah, yeah. It it's like if there had been like some subtle moments throughout these last few Buffy episodes, would have been cool with that. Yeah. 
but at the same time there haven't been except for like you know people complaining like oh you mostly just spend time with riley you fucked up this house haunted (laughs) um so (laughs) all right uh the the wiki really didn't need to go here but it does riley goes to buffy in the funny clown pants sander gave him to wear (laughs) 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 oh love it um so he's somehow used his radio that he's got to tap into the initiative's frequencies so mm-hmm. he can kind of stay ahead of them so they don't catch him. Sure. Um, she... Riley's a tad upset because uh, I'm pretty sure he wanted Buffy to come uh, and see him as soon as she got back from L.A. Which, uh, hey, she boundaries. <laughs> Play it cool, man. Play it right. cool. Which he doesn't. He doesn't play it cool wow. at all in this episode. I mean, in fairness, he's not alone. <laughs> you know, there are two people who play it cool in this episode. And it's Anya and Tara. Yep. Um, oh, wow. We need to go back for... Oh, no, we don't. Never mind. I got my scenes mixed up. I thought we'd skipped over Anya being hilarious. But we didn't. That's in, That's in her scene with uh, Spike later. Yeah. Good, thank God. I'd never forgive myself if we skipped Anya. Um, but yeah, she tells him Angel upset her and she doesn't want to talk about it. And Riley's just a, a little brat about it. I think at one point he does say like, um, I don't think he says get out of my face, but he says something to that effect. He I says something. He, he says something very poorly worded. Maybe it's like I'll get out of your face. Oh yeah, no, he get, he definitely is uh, like, like oh I'll just leave something like I'll just leave you alone if you don't want me something. No, very, no, I'm pretty sure he used the words I'll I, get out of your I, face, which let me see if it. I feel like quotes. saying that is it's really petulant. That is that is that is confrontational. Mm. And um, oh. yeah, and I get that Riley has felt. I get that Riley feels left out of the loop, but I mean. You're not going to... You attract more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel that if you're going into something with the intention... I feel like I've even said this before on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like if you're going into something with the intention of, like, showing how pissed off you are... I think we had this conversation at Dead Man's Party. Okay, yeah. Or, um, <laughs> or like... Uh, or just looking to piss somebody else off, you've already lost your argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And he's he's acting very petulant. Mm-hmm. And he's not respecting the boundaries that Buffy has created. Um, and, of course, as we talked about, it's not helping that his trust in Buffy um, is feeling pretty shattered right now because of the lack of honesty. Ah, uh, will these two crazy kids ever make it work? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're, we've been hard, we were hard on Buffy last week. We're gonna, I think we're gonna continue to be hard on her this week. But she's still our girl. Yeah. <clears throat> this is not a, um, I remember when we were having that discussion about, uh, about Gilmore Girls and talking about, like, obviously we're both, like Jess is the best boyfriend, um, is uh, where Jason and I are, 
But I mentioned like by the but end it's of not the... at the it's not while they're together. Oh no, 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 yeah. not while they're together. That is very toxic. Um but, but Jess is the best person at the end of the series that has dated Rory. Absolutely. But by the end of a year in the life, I told Jason one time, I was like, I'm a Logan shipper now. And he was like, what the fuck? And I was like, Rory's so fucking awful. She and Logan just deserve each other. They deserve each other. Like, like, oh, are you going to cheat on your fiance? Yeah, you might as well do it with Rory. uh, uh, That that joke rubbed me the wrong way. That that she kept forgetting her boyfriend bit. Well, no, I'm talking about Logan was engaged. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Logan was engaged and he was still having sex with Rory. Emily had a really, really wonderful arc in that revival. Let's, <laughs> let, let's cut this talk here yeah. because we're going to go on forever. Let's chug this drink real quick. This is not a Gilmore Girls podcast. Um, so, yeah, Riley's a petulant little brat and he storms off. And um, that's, that's when we get Xander yeah. and Anya visiting Spike. Spike breaking up the group part two. Yes. Um... <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Xander is bringing him some military fatigues for uh, part of their plot to uh, what they think is that Spike is going to sneak into the initiative to get this file. Um, and one of the things they brought is he has a gun. And he like, he's like, oh yeah, I have a gun. It's so phallic and manly. And he like turns and he points it at Xander. And the second it like lines it to Xander's sight, the chip goes off. And so he can't even point a gun, which it turns out is fake. Yeah. <laughs> and so so it's it's so funny. He's so pissed. And Anya, such a great detail. Like I think this would have been funny anyway, but it's funnier because Anya has like a big gulp. Um, she's like drinking from, and she's like, "Wow, you can't even point a gun at someone! How humiliating!" <laughs> and he's so mad. And that's when Xander is like, "Yeah, it's not even real, like you know." And <laughs> I goes, "You can't even point a decorative gun." And then she doesn't say a word. She just kind of makes it like a like a like a I feel sorry for you face, like like a pity face. So fucking good yeah. so funny even when Anya doesn't have a lot to do in the episode damn it does she Ugh. does she hit it home I'm glad we don't do like episode MVPs because I feel like we'd get really repetitive <laughs> like, we'd be like it's Anya you know every once in a while it'd be like this it's is a great Willow episode yeah it's basically like Anya and Cordy <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm, do we have a type <laughs> yes <laughs> and I think everyone who listens knows that mm-hmm. I think we've been very upfront about it um, so that's when, um, this is when Spike brings up that, uh, he assume he says like, oh yeah, you're joining the military, right? You're joining the army. And, uh, and it was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. And I love Anya's reaction. Like you're joining the army and hits him. He's like, first of all, ow. <laughs> Second, where did you hear that? And three, ow. <laughs> yeah. Like, geez, Xander. This is so... I mean, it's brilliant what Spike is doing. It is master manipulation. Um, I am impressed and taking notes. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, don't forget, guys, Harrison is a sociopath. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, he's... So, we've talked about how observant Spike has been about the dynamics of the group all season. Because Spike... Spike... (laughs) Spike is smart. He's a smart guy. And he's very emotionally intelligent. Um, So, he's picked up on this... um, This kind of rift. And... um, or he's just deduced it because it makes sense. Xander's kind of the pathetic one. He doesn't go to college. The other two do does. Um, it's it's pretty easy for to see that Spike has just can intuit that Xander has these insecurities. So yeah, he just makes up this lie that he overheard Buffy and Willow talking about him joining the army so that he could finally be useful, um, which we know from the Zeppo, for instance. That's being useful is a big trigger for Xander, mm-hmm. um, or being perceived as useless. Um, so, sorry for triggering you every every episode, Xander, when we call <laughs> you useless. But um, he's a fictional character; doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so it's it's just really Spike is being very clever about how he's going about this and about what he's doing and making sure that no one's really noticing what he's doing. Cause he's just, and, and this yeah. goes back to, um, this goes back to when Adam says like, if you can't hurt, hurt like the Slayer's friends, how are you going to be able to like keep them from her? And he's like, Oh, don't worry. And so, yeah, this is like, Spike is still a threat, even yeah. if he can't hurt them, which is cause he can hurt them. Yeah. Which is awesome. Like it's, you know, we've, the show has let Spike, I don't want to say become a joke, but, you know, he's not been the threat he was in season two. Yeah. Um, so letting us see this side of him, which we've always known is there, but he's never he's never had to rely on it. Um, and it's really cool to see how, when he is forced to rely on it, he fucking excels. <laughs> like, Because um, the, the psychological manipulation was definitely more Angelus's thing. Yeah. Huh. That's probably where he picked it up from. Oh, That's nice. That's sure didn't nice. Pick it up from Drusilla. <laughs> Drusilla's not a manipulator. She's just a ooh, I want to like tear somebody's <laughs> eyes out with my fingers. Oh, love her to death. Um and of course Darla's just like, I want to cause chaos everywhere I go. It's a good group. <laughs> like they all have Something very specific they're that like they the, bring. They're like the Beatles of fucking shit up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Um, Buffy's patrolling. She's looking for Adam. Uh, she runs into Forrest. And they... Uh, they. It's interesting that they, they argue. They're like, we're, you know, we're not allies. We're not... You know, Forrest is like, I can get my men here lickety split um he does not say (laughs) lickety split but uh but they they kind of agree to just like work is it just me or does this like does this like confrontational relationship between him and buffy feel a little um forced almost yes okay good um but yeah it, it seems like the only times that we've seen forrest it's either been him uh, and Buffy and him talking about how uh, Buffy messed up Riley 
or him and Riley talking to Riley about how Buffy's messing him up. You know, he's very much kind of become this one note character. And I don't Mm. like that because I did enjoy how he, again, was set apart from most of the other initiative people because he actually had a personality. Mm -hmm. But now he's like just become so one note. Yeah. And he's, it's definitely, unfortunately, very playing into the, the angry black man trope, which is not great. Um, you know what I think would have been a more interesting arc for right or for Forrest? Um, not to once again speculate of what could have been, but I'm going to anyway. If Riley and Forrest or Buffy and Forrest had actually gotten along well, like at the beginning and like worked together well as a team, and Forrest admired Buffy up until Riley like abandoned the initiative mm. and then there was like a betrayal and a hurt there like that i would feel more and then and then this un, uneasy truce that they kind of come to to work together here would have felt more poignant and more yeah. nuanced yeah but like he's never really had any no. he's just hated her from day one yeah any camaraderie with buffy yeah well he 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 liked her when he thought she was just some hot girl that riley wanted to get with um, and then of course, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, and then, yeah, they run into Adam, they have this fight and, uh, it's revealed that the initiative weapons basically give Adam give an Adam, orgasm, <laughs> but it like charges them charge yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's able to throw Buffy, um, to the side and, uh, kill Forrest with the, um, the Polgara yeah, skewer. The Polgara skewer. And as I said while we were watching, R.I.P. the only person of color on the show yeah. currently. Um, you've gone the way of the other black characters on the show. Oh, Kendra. R.I.P. Kendra. I, w- I would love for and there the to be Mr. Trick. a Mr. Trick. I would love for there to somehow have been a way to keep Kendra but also get Faith and have this trio of slayers with these really conflicting personalities. Mm-hmm. Ah! Okay, um, <laughs> that's not what we got. Um, so yeah, Adams or uh, Adams killed Forrest, and uh, Buffy Buffy runs um, because once again she has gotten her ass kicked by Adam. In just, a very I still un- don't believe it in a very unconvincing way. Yeah, I just still don't. I just I still don't buy it. Um, because I don't understand. I don't like. I don't understand what is it about him being what he is makes him this unimaginably strong. They've not convinced me yeah, at all. Yeah, it really seems like, yes, he might be stronger than her, but that's really never stopped Buffy before. She's like, beaten things that are stronger than her yeah, with her wits. And, yeah, and she like and she tries to and yeah, she isn't one to just run away and like, yeah, and I'm not saying that Sarah Michelle Gellar plays this wrong. Oh, no. She, she she gives it all that she has. It's just that the writers have not given us reason to think that Adam is the threat that yes. everyone thinks he is. And it's very... We are supposed to think... Yeah, when you say, like, Buffy doesn't run away, we are supposed to think, like, oh, my gosh, this this force is so powerful that it's forcing her to back down. That's She doesn't do that. That's how strong and powerful he is. But I'm... 
And um, yeah. this is a slight spoiler, but um, this is not a problem in the next season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about my favorite season but, of but, Buffy. But, but, but. We have that, to get through this that, one. Yep, yep. Um, listen, our reward for, for making it this far is coming up. <laughs> um so so yes uh adam or spike has pretended to have snuck into the initiative and got some discs um of course he just got them from from adam yeah um but once again we're seeing this how good this manipulation is you know the 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 detail of making them bring him the fatigues to like really make this act convincing um he goes into Giles's, um, and we notice that Giles is uh, pouring himself a cuppa, but not a tea. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, Tara Ooh, is supporting Willow, whilst Willow tries to uh, unencrypt this data that Spike has brought them, which in the end is like nothing. Yep. Um, there is a nice little moment where Spike notices uh, Tara playing with Willow's hair. Such a good detail. Because uh, I feel like that's the one thing that I wouldn't have believed Spike had noticed, just because he's never been around really this dynamic of the two of them. But Faith noticed it. Faith <laughs> noticed. Um, uh, hi. Uh, <laughs> and um, so he um, he makes a couple more cutting remarks to, to Giles, um, just kind of reinforcing what he'd said to him before. And then he turns his attentions on Willow. And um, Willow's kind of, she's frustrated that she's not getting this uh, unencrypted in the most 90s way as possible. Um, There's like code like floating vertically and horizontally on the screen. I don't know anything about hacking, but I know that's not what it looks like. It it, it literally (laughs) looks like the, um, it literally looks like the writers uh, just watched The Matrix. Right, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, Spike kind of wheedles her for it, and he's like, oh, yeah, no, you know, Buffy mentioned that you hadn't been, you know, you're not quite the whiz at this thing anymore, and Tara Tara leaps in to defend Willow's honor. I love that. And Willow's like, I am a whiz. If ever a whiz there was. Uh, perfect delivery of Which, by the way, Hank I don't Allison. think, I don't think, um, so I don't think that's what Spike was referencing, I think Spike was actually referencing the movie The Wiz. Uh, or no, excuse me, uh, The Wizard, um, which is the, uh, the the video game movie. Mm. Um, that's what I think anyway. I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, but of course, Willow immediately jumps back into uh, The Land of Oz. Yeah. Um, she, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Spike is like, oh no, she just, she mentioned that you're into this new thing um and it's very i don't i mean i don't love the weaponizing of willow's uh homosexuality but it is a very smart way for spike to push that insecurity he never says like now this is something that i feel like has been built up throughout because again there was so much time when Willow was very clearly not telling Buffy or any of the others mm-hmm. about Tara in the slightest. Yeah. And then that was a great way of showing the lack of communication. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
But yeah, that's kind of like the only, hmm. the only thread that um, Spike is pulling on that I believe has been built up well. Um, and so yeah, he's like, yeah, you're into your new Wicca thing. Um, and I think that's a fun little nod to the subtext too. Um, and, and yeah, it's, there's, it's, Willow can't help but internalize that and read into the subtext of, um, oh, cause Spike even says like, um, he only overheard Buffy and Xander talking about it, this new thing that Willow's into, it's probably just a phase. I just assumed she was talking about, the, they were talking about the Wicca thing. If someone wants to be a Wicca, that's their business. I don't see why they were so upset. Um, so once again, really smart of saying like, oh, I just overheard them saying this thing. And I assume it was about the Wicca thing and letting Willow draw the conclusion. Yes. Which is what he's doing with everyone. Yeah. He's never coming out right out and saying, they said this about you and you should be mad at them. He's just like, oh yeah, I just whatever. Um, the manipulation is stunning. I, I really shouldn't sound like I'm so at, like admiring it. Like it's too late, man. You're, <laughs> you're too deep into it now. Might as well be honest. Um, Riley's listening to his his radio, his fancy little radio, and here's some some of his uh, old comrades in a scrape of trouble. So he rushes in to help and to save the day. And who does he come? Face to face with. A damn good looking man. Mm-hmm. Riley's fucking up a bunch of initiative commandos. And with Riley... Angel. Yes, Angel is. <laughs> God damn it. Um, and Riley, you know, uh, okay, understandably, I'll say, comes to the wrong conclusion. Um, and, and Angel does fucking nothing to disabuse him of this notion. No, um... <laughs> And, you know, I think Angel might still be a little steamed about the comment that Buffy made about how, uh, oh, I have somebody in my life and I can trust him. I'm still steamed about that. <laughs> right. But, uh, but, yeah, I had such a great time watching Angel just kick the ever-loving crap mm-hmm. out of Riley. That was, that was pure bliss. Yes. He assumes uh, that... Yeah, that Angel has lost his soul, um, which also means he's assuming something else. And um, he, yeah, they get into this fight. It's a really, I, I like the fight, this fight choreography. It's it's great. Um, and I even mentioned to Jason as we were watching, I was like, buddy, if you were Angelus, you'd be dead. <laughs> like, But no, um, this is like the most obvious dick measuring contest ever. Oh my gosh. They are, I... I I literally was just like, just whip them out. Get the tape measurer. You're both very pretty. I don't know. Maybe, maybe kiss a little. I see how that <laughs> feels. Uh, maybe, maybe we can resolve this in a reasonable and sexy fashion. I don't know. Like maybe kiss. Like maybe like you know dock a little bit. Or <laughs> do you know what docking is? I do. I've seen Modern Family. They talk about docking on Modern Family. Yeah. Yeah, they like mentioned that with like moon landing and stuff. Okay. <laughs> I just, I'm surprised to hear that on a network television show. 
that's that's one of those situations I think where it was a they got away with it because yeah. a a censor just didn't know what it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Harrison's actually blushing a little bit. Yeah. I mean, listen, docking's not that like. I mean, it's there's uh you know there there are some shows that have gotten away with lemon party jokes and th- that's like, that I don't know. Lemon party is a specific sexual fetish that is um uh old men having sex and i believe specifically it is group sex so lots of just all men yes okay yes it's it is a lemon party a lemon party what what an wow yeah okay that's 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 one that's a strange choice of terms but i mean yeah i don't know the history behind it and i'm afraid to look it up and it's like but it basically just boils down to old man orgy yeah okay yeah, and listen, go at it, gentlemen. Have no, a great I, time. No, no, I am not criticizing <laughs> the act itself. I'm more criticizing the terminology. That's fair. Um, you know, part of me wants to be like, I never thought we'd talk about a lemon party on here. But also, part of me is like, I always knew we'd talk about a lemon party on here. <laughs> um, it was going to happen one day. So, um, yeah, they, they they fight. It's a great fight. Um, back up starts to show up so angel sexily escapes to the roof um <laughs> he very handsomely evades his attack <laughs> should that be the new thing we just describe everything angel does with like some sort of so there's a um there's this really fun episode of the simpsons um this is gonna like sound ridiculous uh like but i am a uh, i'm actually a huge football fan and i like the new england patriots and uh Take that as you will. But um, there is a great episode of The Simpsons where they basically parody Boston and the New England Patriots specifically. And um, obviously, until recently, the New England Patriots had Tom Brady as their quarterback, who um, like not only is a good quarterback, but also a very good-looking man. Dude's married to a supermodel. Um, but, Me too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, John's a good-looking man. Um, but uh, but what's really funny is um, when they're like doing the play-by-play of the uh, Boston Americans, as they're called in The <laughs> Simpsons. It's like the quarterback, the quarterback very handsomely takes the snap and very beautifully <laughs> throws the pass. Nice. <laughs> that's what that made me think of. I, you know, I'm, I, I, I like it. Uh, I, I would probably watch football if they if they described things in such a way. You need the right commentators. I, <laughs> I, I need like a Lee Jordan figure uh, commentating. <laughs> With a Professor McGonagall be like, hey, calm down. My favorite though, not to get, uh, this is very brief. Uh, my favorite though is when McGonagall's like yelling at him for his commentary, but then every once in a while like devolves with him with like yeah. like if someone's playing particularly dirty it's that like... is that is a relationship that unfortunately was not shown in the film and should have been you know what else they left out of i mean because the movies start started leaving out the quidditch before they went on which eh, makes sense but it did mean we never got the scene of luna commentating the the quidditch match which i am glad though that like even though she was ravenclaw she still like brought the biggest (laughs) gryffindor like giant lion head and i think it even like actually roared yes so no like i mean i i love luna for that it's like 
oh yeah, I mean, I know I'm Ravenclaw, but I love all the people in Gryffindor, yeah. so oh, there you go. Uh, so, uh, Buff, uh, Angel, uh, Angel shows up at, um... Buffy's dorm. D- Buffy's dorm. Uh, I guess Buffy's dorm requires an, an, an invite. Okay, sure. Um, but he comes in and they, Angel tries to be like, cause he's, he's got like a busted lip. Um, and she's like, okay, what happened? And he tries to tell her. Or, excuse me, Buffy, uh, has a a big cut on her head from the fight with with Adam. Yeah. I did like that. Like, I I still don't believe how superior he is to her in the fighting way. But uh, the cut's nice. Mm -hmm. It does make me... I do believe that she is sufficiently injured. Um... Even though I don't believe how we got there. <laughs> um, uh, Buffy's like, uh, oh, did you did you come to say more hurtful things to me? Okay. Buffy! Okay. Buffy! All right. Buffy! Yeah. So, this we mentioned this last week. you had me pause, week. right? Yes. We mentioned this last week, and I'm like, okay, do you not in fact... Remember how you came, and Buffy even says, like, I came to help you. Bullshit. You came to kill Faith. (laughs) You came to kill Faith, and then you gave Angel shit for trying to stop you from killing Faith and be a decent person, and then you decide to throw Riley in his face and be like, oh, I can trust him. And then, like, Angel finally tells you, like, hey, you can't do this in my town if you're going to do it like this. So, and I think Angel may have been a little harsh, but I think everything that he said was true. (laughs) Unlike Buffy, who was being petulant. You've already used that word once. I'm going to use it. Petulant. And I know we love Buffy. I know that she's our girl. But you are in the wrong this week, girl. You were in the wrong last week. You're in the wrong this week. And to Buffy's credit... I'm loving this. To Buffy's credit, after, um, of course, Riley comes in. He holds a gun because he's got basically nothing else. And uh, at this point, um, Buffy's like, Oh my God, did you seriously come here to beat up my boyfriend? And uh, in a in a moment that I do appreciate, she throws them both aside and she's like, I'll put you both in the hospital. I love that. Cause what did she say? She's like, if I have to hear any more like testosterone or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like... Uh, but, uh, but then she goes up to Riley and says, uh, all right. So I will say Angel does say one bad thing in this. Um, when, uh, Riley is holding the gun at him, he does like, they have this back and forth and, uh, Angel does look at Buffy and says, like, you actually sleep with this guy. Oh, buddy. Yeah, like, oh, you had the high ground. <laughs> so Redican, <laughs> I have the high ground. But uh, but I don't think that invalidates anything else that he said previous. Yeah. Just, like, that wasn't a good moment for him. But she does say, she does go to Ryland and say, okay. I like how I'm usually, like, the angel summarizer on when we watch <laughs> Angel. So, like, this is the angel scene. Yeah, we're so. the angel scene. But, uh, but, yeah, so she does say to Riley... I need to talk to Angel alone. And he's like, oh, well, I'm not leaving the spot. And so 
She just like motions Angel and her to like leave the room, and Angel's got this little smirk on his face. Oh my face. god, the look he gives Riley, that <laughs> smug little. If I weren't on Angel's side, I'd be like, you're fucking prick. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but then, like, uh, after they both leave the room, I I appreciate Riley's resolve of, like, not moving an inch. (laughs) (laughs) And a really, really good... uh, line delivery from Mark Lucas there. Those those good. And now we get um, now we get a nice little epilogue mm-hmm. to uh, to the big Buffy Angel Faith arc. Um, and uh, while Faith is not mentioned, uh, it's very clear that uh, that this is like meant to wrap that up. Yeah. And I like how um, Angel's like, well, I came here. Make things better and that causes them both to laugh which is i it's that's a good moment because it, i think it finally lets both of the, that that moment of like that's really funny finally lets both of them specifically buffy let go all of this tension yes. and really and because this is where she apologizes yes fucking finally buffy <laughs> does finally say that um that maybe she was in the wrong and that some of the stuff that Angel said wasn't true uh, or was in fact true. And Angel says that I'm still sorry for it. Yes, Angel did apologize for something that he didn't have to apologize for. Um, You guys know I'm a Buffy Angel shipper, but I mean, come on, man. Angel was in the right here. They're having trouble navigating this post breakup relationship yeah. but uh but yeah and uh angel does like kind of notice things are kind of tense around here <laughs> because and i and at this point i said like well of course we're close to the season finale yep haven't you seen an episode of Buffy? <laughs> but um but yeah and then uh he decides to walk away very handsomely very handsomely. but uh but he does surround so like oh and riley I don't like him. Yep. <laughs> you and know Buffy, what, Angel? We don't either. <laughs> and Buffy laughs and yeah. says thank you. Uh, which I like that moment because I, I feel like that's a moment where they, they, as I said, they've been having trouble navigating this post-breakup relationship. And that moment of him saying I don't like him is like, okay, this finally feels like we're exes. Like, yeah, you know. and now I think, um, now is when... Uh, Again, minor spoiler, but uh, the interactions that happen between Buffy and Angel, because, hey, they do happen, um, typically tend to be a bit more on the mature side. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. they both They got they both through the messy of, breakup phase. Yeah. And, um, uh, but anyway, back to Harrison summarizing the Buffy <laughs> action. Um, so we go to Spike reports back to Angel. Um, he's... He reports back to Adam. To Adam. God damn it. What the f... This is... Okay. A little, a couple hundred years uh, too uh, late for that. <laughs> he uh, he drops the episode title. Um, it's the Yoko Factor, and he. All right, so kids, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, there was a band called the Beatles, and they were made up of John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. Sorry, Pete Best, you blew it. <laughs> um, but. Uh, they were, of course, a very popular band. I mean, I, I'd like to think that most people know the Beatles, but honestly... I hope so, but... I, I don't know what this generation knows, like what the younger generation knows. That makes me sound really fucking old, too. Yeah. That uh, is not a criticism of you, young generation, if you're listening. 
we're just not sure. We're not. Yeah, yeah no. The, I don't want you to take that as like a snide, like oh, this no, no. Generation. The Beatles are a um, are a big touchstone of pop culture, but I feel like they're slowly becoming less of a touchstone of pop mm-hmm. culture. Uh, I think that maybe the last big Beatles thing that happened was the movie Yesterday, mm-hmm. and that uh, really wasn't like a huge like thing. Which, it was which just kind anything, of came and went. Which, if anything, is like oh, it's a world where the Beatles don't exist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes, uh, into the, uh, the band, as Spike said, was one of the most popular bands in the world. I do like how, uh, Adam likes Helter Skelter. Adam likes Helter Skelter. Which is uh, very funny, but also, like, do you think that's a Manson joke, too? Because Charles Manson famously, like, really Spike loved do- it. Spike does say, like, of course. Yeah. So, I think, I think there was a, um, a little hint at that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the band did break up in 72. I think so. Um, they were like, a, they were basically the biggest thing in the world throughout the 60s. And uh, in 72, they broke up. Um, and unfortunately, many people blamed John Lennon's uh, girlfriend at the time. Actually, I think they may have actually been married at this point. Uh, Yoko think, Ono. Yeah. And, I can't uh, remember. Yeah, no, that makes sense because I believe that uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was written for their son. Oh, um, that's nice. But yeah, uh, and again, I'm pretty sure like, there are people who know more about the Beatles than I do, and I'm sure there are. Uh, but this is the bare bones like, yeah, yeah, story here. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, ever since then, and there are obviously like, tons of factors leading to the breakup because one, sometimes bands break up. I actually went to um, Liverpool a couple of years ago and did a whole bunch of Beatles related stuff and uh tour guide actually mentioned that um in his opinion and it's kind of like a more widely held opinion in like you know about in the world that knows a lot about the Beatles um it isn't it wasn't so much Yoko but uh Brian Epstein the manager who kind of like made the Beatles what they were Mm -hmm. he died and so with the death of Brian Epstein it became a lot harder to keep these huge talents together yeah so uh but yes but unfortunately many people blame yoko ono and unfortunately yoko ono's name has kind of become synonymous with breaking up people yeah and luck i actually honestly this episode because spike rightly points out because let's be honest the blaming of yoko ono for the breakup of the beatles is just um just pure misogyny mixed with a healthy dose of racism. Yeah. Um, and Spike correctly points out that the Beatles broke up because of a lot of things, a myriad of factors, and Yoko was just there and took the brunt of the blame from the public. And I think this is actually, this assessment of Yoko is actually pretty ahead of its time. Because I feel like today... That is a more widely held opinion, but I think even in the this in the early two thousands, you know, we were still using Yoko's name in that way. Now, and, um, there is a uh, there's a really great song about bare naked ladies uh, called "You Can Be My Yoko Ono," and it is not about Yoko breaking up the group. It is about Yoko being a muse nice. uh, because John Lennon actually did a. Uh, John Lennon actually did like state like how much he was inspired by Yoko, and there's a really great line in the song. It's like I know when I say this, 
I may be stepping on pins and needles, but I don't like all these people slagging her for breaking up the Beatles. Nice. When, don't blame it on Yoki. When did that come out, that song? Um, one second. Well, while you're looking that up, I'll make my last point about Yoko. Um, people kind of portray Yoko Ono as this, like, Lady Macbeth sort of figure. But the idea was that she was, like, there whispering in John mm-hmm. Lennon's ears, you're better than the rest of them. All right, so this was released in 1992. Oh, wow, and okay. And I'm not going to lie, I had no idea that this was actually the debut single of Bare Naked Ladies. Wow. I thought that they had had a couple songs beforehand, but no, Be My Yoko Ono. That's pretty awesome. Okay. And well, it's also just a fun song. Well, then So, like, it. here's your homework. Listen to some Beatles. Listen to some of the albums that John and Yoko did together, because they're really good. And... This is some bare naked ladies. That's a good. That's good week of music. And it should also be stated that Yoko Ono as is a musician in her own right. Yes, and is still creating music to this day. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'm glad that the public narrative about Yoko is shifting. Yes, uh, or I think I I feel like it's fair to say has shifted. I think mm-hmm. I think she's finally gotten to a pl- place where people are talking about her, um with her own with you know about her work and her as a person but anyway that was all context yeah. for the title of this episode yeah. and what spike has been doing and yeah because that's the thing spike didn't have to as he was is explaining to adam he didn't have to do very much these cracks these uh these uh these breaks they've been there all along some more successfully threaded than others but um but all he really needed to do was just give things a little push. And, uh, yeah. Now we get our, uh, now we get our big fight scene. We first have a brief scene with Buffy and Riley. It's basically Riley's like, I know you slept with Angel. That's why he's evil. And she's like, he's not evil. No, I didn't. And no, he's not. Uh, Riley's like, that's him on a good day. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, Riley, you got a problem with it? <laughs> um, and then Buffy tells uh, Riley that Forrest is dead. And this news hits Riley pretty hard. And I, I think Mark Lucas plays this really well. It, You can tell that this is like really, even though he's been at odds with Forrest, that was still his, they were comrades in arms. Yeah. They were close. Um, and he and he and Forrest leaves. does refer to them as family. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he leaves. Yeah. So now we get the big fight scene. Um, they're at Giles's house. Uh, Buffy's. Um, I'll do what I'll do here is I'll do because there's a lot happening. So I'll do a quick like real quick summary of it, and then we'll just get all of our mm-hmm. thoughts out. J- um. Buffy wants to go back to the cave. Um, she thinks Adam must be like posted up there. He wouldn't have just been there without any reason. Um, Giles is really drunk. Um, and he's like, oh, you so, don't need uh, me. Yeah, I'm going to make a quick comment. Uh, if this had been all four of the main Scoobies yelling at each other, it would have felt like Dead Man's Party and I wouldn't have liked it. But the fact that Giles is there, like, piss drunk and is, like, sometimes is trying to make comments, but most of the time just like, ah, <laughs> yeah. that, that's a good touch. It's nice. I also really love the, um, are you drunk? Yes. Quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Buffy, uh, she's going, she says she's going to the cave. Willow and Xander want to go, uh, with her. She says, no, like, you're not useful. I can't, you can't help me. She's, um, she's, uh, kind of ragging on Willow for taking too long with the, mm -hmm. with the de-encryption. Yeah. And, um. Decryption. Uh. (laughs) Decryption. She, um. But Xander's like, you only keep me around for, like, laundry duty and stuff like that. Um, Buffy's like, you told Riley about, um, this X thing. Because what's great here, too, is that a lot of the things that's coming up in this fight, Spike had nothing to do with. That's a... I immediately think of, uh... The um, community episode. The community episode with the line Mr. Hawthorne hasn't spoken for quite some time. Yes. Because that's such a good moment. Because it, yep. it really highlights that these all... Like, yeah. All they needed was Spike to push them just a little mm-hmm. to get them to this place. or And or Pierce to push them just a little. Um, uh, during this, in the background, Tara and Anya quietly like they go into the bathroom bathroom and there's such the the cut later of them you can just hear everyone yelling outside and they're just sitting in there um tara's like do you think this will go on for a while anya's like who knows tara's like this is a nice bathroom (laughs) anya likes the tile (laughs) and i and i like this because um it does put the four main Scoobies front and center. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I You all know me. I love my Tara. I love my Anya. But they but, didn't need to be in this yeah, fight. Yeah, this was not this was not their fight. Mm-hmm. This was the fight between the four of them. Yeah. And uh, but it but the t- the touch of them reacting to the fight too is nice though. Yeah. Even though because even though it's not their fight, it does affect them. Yeah. And both of them are brought up as weapons in the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, Anya, Willow, um, uh, when Xander accuses them of him, of the, the, the army thing. Talking Willow, about him behind his back. Yeah. Talking about him behind his back. Willow makes a comment of like, oh, will they even, uh, let you in the army with the umbilical cord between you and Anya? Ouch, Willow! Yeah, that, that one oh. might have been the most stinging comment of all. Wow. And then, uh, and then Kate's Willow... has got claws. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> and then, and then Willow, um, Willow also throws it in their face that they've been you talking about her yeah. behind my back and you're uncomfortable with Willow being, my, or Tara being my girlfriend. Xander, Xander. <laughs> Xander is like, yeah, she's right. You don't respect us at all. You, what, Tara's your girlfriend? Like, really, Xander? <laughs> you oh, were, like, streets behind, streets man. Behind. Apparently Giles was, too, because, oh, yeah, he's gone upstairs to go to bed. Um, he threw a sweater down and it hit Xander in the face. And great. you just hear him go, bloody hell. <laughs> Uh, oh, and I also like when Xander's talking about being shipped off to Fort Dix. This is before Giles has gone upstairs. He chokes on his drink and goes, <laughs> Fort Dix! Hilarious. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think I, I th- think I've gotten all the various points they bring up to each yes. other. Yes, and Buffy kind of ends it with like, uh, well, I guess there's a reason that the prophecy talked about the Chosen One and not the Chosen One and her friends. Yikes. Ouch. Yeah. And yeah, she storms out. Um, so, I don't think we need to talk about how 
we've, we've talked pretty much at length about how some of these threads were built up better than others. So I don't think we need to go there because we've discussed it. But at the scene itself, just on its own, what do you think? Uh, you, you said it before. Um, it was very well acted. Um, and I, I think very well scripturally choreographed. Yes. I, I could not define what you just said, but I understand exactly what you mean. It's like the way that it is written allowed the lines to be delivered that very much reflect the chaos of an actual argument Mm -hmm. because there's, there's overlapping topics. Mm -hmm. There's, um, there's, there's like, oh, throw one line at somebody else, throw another line at somebody else. Maybe even sometimes there's like talking over it. Mm -hmm. But yes, this, this part of the script fantastic it's it's very well done and again to compare it to dead man's party i feel like dead man's party um was very much more just like uh line at buffy line at buffy line at buffy maybe buffy gets like one line but it's line at buffy line Mm -hmm. at buffy it felt more like a pylon and this felt like a actual every realistic argument yes a very realistic everyone yeah it wasn't the pylon that dead man's party was because everyone was pretty much operating at the same base level of, I guess, power, you know? Um, uh, and also it wasn't in front of a bunch of people and like, um, basically like super humiliating. Um, and I, I like that also there are like moments of like little alliances too. Like everyone's mm-hmm. pissed at everyone, but like, but like yeah that moment where it was convenient for Xander to be on Willow's side in, in this moment so until he's, it wasn't until it wasn't which is so realistic in this sort of fight yeah. like you know um yeah it's it, it is um and i think um oh gosh who who was our director this week Grossman Grossman um his direction the the script and the direction really come together beautifully to create that scriptural choreography. Um, might be one of the most clever <laughs> things I've said on this show. Yeah, it just, it all works for me. Like, yes, I, no, I totally... the, Yeah, the scene, the scene is good. The scene is really good. It almost made me forget about, like, the poor buildup mm-hmm. um, throughout the season. And I feel like that's been a lot of what we've been dealing with this season, mm-hmm. was, like, pockets of really good material... Mm-hmm. That hasn't quite been earned, unfortunately, yeah. which is disappointing. Because I think this could have been one of the best seasons of Buffy. There's some really interesting stuff going on here. All right, and then the last scene, I okay. Um, Spikes think like, oh, okay, like they're all like fighting now, so getting the chip out of me, right? And Adam says he needs one more thing. Yep. And then Riley shows up, and Adam's like, oh, you're here, and Riley's like, yes, I am. And we get it to be continued with a literal dun-dun-dun musical cue, which I couldn't tell if I respected the audacity of it (laughs) or if I really hated it. (laughs) Like, like I think I'm leaning towards really hated it, but also I was like, a little part of me was like, wow, you really did it. Either way, they're on thin ice with what they're doing. Yeah. (laughs) You were on thin ice, Buffy. Um... Yeah, that is the Yoko factor. Um, I don't... There's nothing... It's a... It's very much a table-setting episode. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But I actually think it's a pretty good table setting episode. I do too. Especially because like to make one last metaphor, basically this was like uh the table wasn't even out yeah. before this episode and but now you've got like you gotta serve dinner, so <laughs> you gotta put the whole table out there and all like the tablecloth and the plates and Forks yeah. and knives and everything. Yeah. The turkey's a little raw, but we'll eat it anyway. I'm going to give this episode four out of five clown pants. <laughs> um, I think that this is full of good stuff. And honestly, the bad things in it aren't necessarily the episode's fault, but more of like the season's fault. Yes. Um, and also, I like that... Uh, Angel was able to be in the episode. We were able to have like a nice uh, epilogue to the previous story, um, to like the whole faith arc, without it taking um, without it taking focus. Yeah. From what was actually happening. Yeah, absolutely. I I have nothing to add to what you just said. Like I I'm I agree one hundred percent, Hundopi, um, to all of that. Yeah, this is uh, gonna be a um, uh, four helter skelters out of five. Helter skelter. When I get to the top of the slide. Oh, when no. I get to the top, I go back to. <laughs> oh wow! I don't. Yeah, I, <laughs> we're on the right track, but um, let's not embarrass ourselves yeah, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> all right, take us out, Jason. Oh, alrighty. Unless you had any like final thoughts, I don't. I I feel like we've we've covered it. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel Season One, Episode Twenty, War Zone. Mm. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C O F F M A N. Uh, I also write a blog, horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com, where I type type about. I write about... I've had a lot of weird word choices tonight. Um, I write about a different horror film each week. Um, this month, this upcoming month, um, the month of August, has a Friday the 13th, which means it's time for another Friday the 13th theme month, in Woo! which I will be doing all Friday the 13th films. So since I uh, ended last year's Friday the 13th with that uh, month with... Uh, the final part chapter. five uh, oh, okay. part five a new beginning okay um horror movies really need to stop uh <laughs> calling any entry in their franchise the final chapter or the last or whatever uh but the no. final destination <laughs> it wasn't um although final destination five really good like um but you know it'll be uh friday the 13th part six Jason Lives. Um, one of the better entries in the franchise, in, in my opinion. Speaking of Jason, I'm Jason. <laughs> and you can find... And you live! You can find me on Instagram at YamiJ357 and on Twitter at PlainOldYamiJ. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BoozeAndBuffy. Or you can email us at BoozeAndBuffy at gmail.com. Check out any of our socials this week for a very special custom meme by our good friend Jason Effinger, my yeah, co-host. <laughs> <laughs> that sums up our feelings for the season pretty well, I think. Yeah, um, and also uh, thanks to Max Miners for giving me it, for sending me a meme 
that uh, use that same format. And as soon as I looked at it, I immediately thought of Buffy season four. So uh, thank you for that inspiration. And uh, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast, like Spotify. <laughs> We're in a feud with Apple. Um, but not not a real bad one, Apple. Don't sue us. Um, each week we like to give a shout out or a uh, shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we are highlighting Souls for Shoes. Uh, we chose this one uh, because uh, it is uh, one of the charities supported by Yoko Ono. Uh, which thank you to Jason for suggesting we do that. Um, Souls for Shoes turns unwanted shoes and clothing into opportunity by, keep, by keeping them from going to waste and putting them to good use, providing relief, creating jobs, and empowering people to break the cycle of poverty. Visit www.soulsforshoes.org for more information. And as always, go slay. And be gay. Goodbye.